This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. I would uh, ask you to uh, have your Bibles and uh, just try to follow along. And uh, probably the best place would be to start with Matthew chapter 15, and we'll be going to different places there. But this is week three in in a series that uh, we have called Dealing with Difficult People. And and I know that immediately you had one or two or three or ten people come to mind that are difficult people in your life. But don't forget, as, as I have been emphasizing each week in this series, you are someone's difficult person. Just, just understand that. And, and, and I am too. So just as you had some people come to your mind as being difficult in your life, this moment, this very moment, your name has probably come up in someone else's mind as being the thorn in the flesh in their life. Now, the first week we talked about the difficult person that we described as the very needy person. And there are two ways to help needy people, just kind of a review, relief and restoration. Some needy people need relief. They've they've suffered a, a financial reverse, and so we hand them a little bit of cash or we give them a little bit of time And that helps them to get back on their feet again. But then there are times when we should not give relief. Because that just enables them further into a lifestyle of laziness or addiction or irresponsibility. And instead we should give them restoration. Which is not handing them a little bit of cash. In fact, sometimes it is saying no. And instead it is investing in their lives. And that can take weeks months, and even years. And then last week, if you missed last week, we talked about dealing with the controlling or the manipulative person. And unfortunately, all of us have at least a little bit of a controlling nature, and some of us have a lot of a controlling nature within us. Today, for our third lesson, we will talk about how to deal with those difficult people that we call hypocrites. Now, before we get into our lesson, let's review the memory verse. And this is the same verse that's powering us through this entire series. So uh, as we've been doing each week, I'm going to ask you to uh, repeat this with me. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. So if we could go ahead and get that on the screen, please. On the count of three, let's begin there with brothers and sisters. One, two, three. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. And, and I actually love the way that the King James Version says it, and I'm just going to read that uh, to you, and I think it's, it's up there as well. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, and listen to this, I like this phrase, comfort the feeble-minded. You ever feel like you're doing that? Support the weak, be patient toward all men. Each week we kick off, our, kick off our lesson with a dumb question, or maybe we should just call it a duh question. Here is the duck question for the week. How many of you know someone that has hypocrite written all over them? Anybody know a hypocrite? Okay, I'm glad that we've got a couple of you that are actually listening today. 
uh, follow-up question for curiosity's sake. How many of you are sitting next to that hypocrite? Would you raise your hand? No, don't, no, don't, don't do that. And then the last follow-up question. I want to see how many of you are really honest. How many of you are that hypocrite? Would you just raise your hand? Oh, my word. You need this sermon today. I'm glad you're here. Now, when it comes to trying to get people to come to church, probably the number one criticism that we hear about the church and about Christians is that church people are just a bunch of hypocrites. I've heard it. You've heard it. We've all heard it. Well, somebody used that statement on a pastor, and uh, let me tell you how he handled it. He was talking with someone, and he said, you know, I know you're not into church. I'd love for you to come be my guest this next Sunday. And, and the man said, no, no offense, pastor. I respect you, but I don't go to church because there are just too many hypocrites in the church. And, and this pastor was ready for the excuse, and he said, hey, man, don't let that stop you. I promise you we've always got room for one more. You might try that sometime. Let's begin by getting a clear understanding of the word hypocrite. The root word for hypocrite actually means actor or one who hides behind a mask. In, in fact, this is the same word that was used to describe actors in a Greek play. An actor would put on a mask when he was playing a particular character he would come out, and then when he would go to change characters, he would go backstage, change masks, and come out as a different character. So hypocrisy is literally an actor. Now, Jesus was never soft on hypocrisy. And, and there's one verse, that uh, actually two or three here, that, that captures Christ's feelings about hypocrisy. Matthew chapter 15, verse 7, and he, Jesus was calling out the Pharisees on this, and, and listen to what he said. He said, you hypocrites, Isaiah was prophesying about you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is a farce, for they replace God's commands with their own man-made teaching. So today we hear about fake news. Jesus was talking about fake worship, pretending acting, talking the talk, but not walking the walk. Now, before we go any, fur go any further, in all fairness, when, when people make blanket statements that Christians, they're all just a bunch of hypocrites, that is many times a cop-out. That makes them feel better because it shifts the attention away from them. So when people say that, that's not necessarily true, but they're trying to get the attention away from them. But having said that, unfortunately, there are plenty of church people that are actors. They pretend, they talk, but they don't walk. I heard uh, another true story that uh, also involves a pastor. One day this pastor did what I've done and you've probably done as well. Uh, he pulled out onto a highway, misjudged how fast a car was coming, and and immediately the car was on him. And you know, isn't that a sick feeling when you you, you think you've got time and, and the car is coming faster, they're closer, whatever. And and so uh, the, the car was on him, and so he gunned it. This pastor uh, gunned it and gave a little wave of apology, saying, "Hey, you know, my bad. I'm I'm, I'm sorry." And and this guy was in no mood to accept his wave of apology, and and so he drove up close to him and just laid on the horn and. 
And as soon as he got a chance to pass him, he did. And as he went around him, he also gave a little wave. But it was a wave with just one finger, if, if you know what I mean. And, and I'm not going to illustrate it today. Um, and the pastor was like, man, I made a mistake. I, I, I knew it. I, it didn't cause an accident. I did wave to say I was sorry. And well, as this guy went speeding around him, the pastor looked on the back of his car. And guess what he saw? He saw a bumper sticker from the church that he pastored. You know, some churches hand out bumper stickers promoting their church and and that's why we don't do that here at this church, um, because sometimes I don't want people to know uh, that you attend this church. Uh, just kidding. But, but seeing that man give him the finger and then seeing the bumper sticker from his church ticked off the pastor. And, and so he sped up to catch him and he, and he thought God would surely forgive him for speeding. And I don't know if that would hold up for an officer or not, but forgive him for speeding in order to correct someone in his own church. And he finally caught him at a red light and, and he pulled up beside him and rolled down his window. And when the guy looked over and saw that he had just given the finger to his pastor, his eyes got really, really big. And, and the pastor didn't yell at him or quote any verses. He just simply said, God is good. And, and the man put his head down and quietly said, all the time. So that's one way that we play the part of the hypocrite. Now, now other ways that people play the part of, of a hypocrite is by their language. They curse and they tell dirty stories. And I've never understood why people have to insert foul language into a conversation. And I, I don't know if this is true, probably is, but it's an indication of a, a weak mind or an empty head. I don't know. Uh, other times our hypocrisy is revealed when we gossip or slander. And, and, and let me tell you, as church people, one of the most common ways that we disguise our our, uh, you know, our, our, our slander, our, our, our gossip, it's, it's by pretending that it's a prayer request. And, and we say, you know, we need to pray for so-and-so because, you know, she's running around on her husband and we need to really pray for them. And, or, or did you know that so-and-so is, is declaring bankruptcy? We need to pray for them and, you know, bless their hearts. And, and, you know, as we talked about last week, just between you and me and all that stuff, we say to make us feel better about gossiping. We also become hypocrites when we don't pay our bills. There, there's nothing that hurts your witness and my witness and the witness of the church when we fail to pay our bills. Many Christians also show their hypocrisy at, and I want you to listen, at restaurants. Wow. For some reason, restaurants bring out the worst in us. You know, if our food isn't perfect, or if we have to wait a long time, instead of, of us being kind and long-suffering and patient, does the Bible say something about that? In, instead of fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, instead of that, we act like complete jerks. And you don't know, you know, we're a small community and you don't know how many times restaurant owners or wait staff have vented to me over people from this church and other churches in this area that didn't show the love of Christ. So when you're at a restaurant and the service is bad, the food is bad, before you react, why don't you just ask yourself, 
what would Jesus do here? Hypocrisy can also take place with a guy who's mastered the art of spiritual talk in public places. You know, someone asks, well, how are you? And says, oh, I'm blessed and I'm too blessed to be stressed and praise the Lord and hallelujah and glory to God. And then he goes home with that same mouth and verbally abuses his family. When that kind of stuff happens, it really looks bad on the church as really looks bad on Christianity. So the question we need to deal with today is, when we see hypocrisy in action, what should our role be as Christians? Well, first of all, let me give you what I would consider two wrong approaches uh, in dealing with hypocrisy. First of all, there's what I call the hands-off approach. And, and this basically says, yes, I know they're being hypocritical, but it's between them and God. And it's, you know, it's none of my business. Who am I to judge them? And, and of course, this would be supported by our culture where tolerance has become the buzzword and we say everyone to their own. And, you know, the Bible says, judge not that you be not judged. So I'm not going to get involved in their business. But the problem with this approach is that it takes away from any accountability. The Bible speaks to the fact, do you know this, that we are our brother's keeper? And we're to not only encourage each other, but we are to also help each other overcome sin. So the hands-off approach, just let them be, whatever, does not line up with God's Word. Now, the other approach is what I call the hyper-confrontational approach. And, and this is where we become spiritual police and judgmental and nitpick without love. And, and many times those people will zero in on insignificant things such as, well, you're not reading the right Bible translation, or you didn't get baptized in the right church, or in the right way, or in the right type of water. You know, it's got to be a natural body of water. It's got to be a creek or a pond, but not in a heated baptistry and... And by the way, that is a real debate that goes on in our community. It's got to be in the right type of water, in the right church, in the right way. Uh, or you didn't worship with the right kind of music. You know, it's, it's got to be hymns because that's what the Apostle Paul sung. There are some ignorant people that really believe that. Or it's got to be contemporary. Come on, get with the program and... There are few things that have caused more harm to the cause of Christ than people who spy and celebrate when someone does something wrong. So, how are we supposed to handle hypocrisy among those who call themselves brothers and sisters? Well, the Bible is full of examples that give us some insight. You know, for example, in Galatians chapter 2, you read about Paul, and, and one day Paul opposed his colleague Peter. Uh, what was going on, and it was an interesting situation. Peter, in certain situations, was eating with Gentile Christians. Of course, Gentiles were those people who were non-Jews, and, and there was a great deal of prejudice towards them back uh, back in those days. And and uh, But Peter would eat, eat with certain people as long as the Jews wouldn't see him. But when... Those certain people came around, Peter pulled back and wouldn't associate with those same Gentile Christians. Well, Paul found out what Peter was doing and, and he confronted him and, and cared enough about Peter to, to say, you've got a double standard going on. And then in Matthew chapter 6, in, 
In three different illustrations, back to back to back, Jesus called out hypocrisy. First of all, he talked about praying. And he said, when you pray, don't, don't pray to impress others. Your, your flowery prayers might sound good. They might impress people. They don't impress God. You know the kind of prayer that impresses God? It's a prayer from the heart. It may not be pretty. It may be with tears. The second illustration Jesus gave was regarding our giving. And, and Jim talked about that. But he said, when you give to the church, don't give to be seen. Don't announce it. Don't make it known how much you're giving. And, you know, I was raised in church. And, and, and here's what I remember as we talk about money. I, I've always struggled with what some churches used to do. You know, they, they would raise money through public pledges and you know, who will give a thousand dollars and, you know, raise your hand if you give it, give a thousand dollars and you'd have the hands go up and then who would raise, who, who would give five hundred dollars and who, who will raise their hand and I, honestly, I've struggled big time with that system. Um, because it's a public thing. And, you know, as Jim said, we're, we're, we're seeking to raise finances for the expansion of our family life center, but, uh, you will notice that our commitments are not public. It's a private matter. There are very few staff members that will know what you give. Um, we take confidentiality very seriously here. And, and one thing we want you to know is that uh, whoever gives the biggest amount is not going to get a plaque with their name on it in the new expansion. Um, we, we don't give honor to the bigger contributors. We, we don't believe in equal giving we just believe in equal sacrifice. And so someone might give $5,000, but it might actually be less of a sacrifice to give $5,000 than someone that is giving $500. Not equal giving, equal sacrifice. And all of that to say that Jesus was very clear that we should not give to get honor because if we're doing it for a public show that's just the epitome of hypocrisy. Thirdly, Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 6 that, that when you fast, don't walk around with a sad face, uh, acting like you're weak. And back in those days, you know, when they were fasting, they, they would put ashes on their face and, and they would kind of tear their garments. They'd mess up their hair and because they wanted people to know that they were suffering for the Lord and they were fasting and people would see them and they'd go, Wow, they're fasting. They're spiritual. Christ says that is hypocrisy. Now, I hope that you fast on a regular basis. But when you do so, don't walk around saying, wow, I'm sure hungry today. <laughs> yeah, my stomach is growling and wanting you to ask why. Well, why are you? Well, I'm fasting. Christ says, that's hypocrisy. So following the pattern of the last two messages, as we look at dealing with hypocrisy, let's pray three prayers. They will come from Galatians chapter 6. The first prayer that we need to pray is, a very, is very important before confronting someone living in hypocrisy. Here's the prayer. God, help me confront with the goal of restoration. That's the goal when you confront. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, so talking to the church, if... If another Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. So the goal of confronting hypocrisy is to restore the person back onto the right path. 
And one of the biggest problems today, without realizing it, our goal, we think, is to show them how wrong they are and how right we are. Your main goal is not to show them you're right, but it's to help them be right, right with God. And when God uses you to do something like that, whenever you can help steer someone away, bring them out of sin, let me show you what Scripture says you've done in James 5. My dear brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back again, you can be sure that the one who brings that person back will save that sinner from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. So we confront wrong behavior in a Christian to save that person from spiritual death. And, and I think that one of the things that's going on today is that, you know, people leave the church and it's okay if they go to another church. But many times they just kind of fade away and, and they're lost just wandering out there. And we don't try to restore them back. But Scripture is so clear that, you know, we as followers of Jesus, we need to bring that sinner Save them from spiritual death. So the first prayer, God, help me confront with the goal of restoration. Here's prayer number two. God, help me confront with caution. Do the same verse. Look, look at the end of this. If someone's caught in a sin, you are spiritual, should restore him gently. But watch yourself or you also may be tempted. When we go to confront someone who is involved in hypocrisy or sin, we need to be careful. And there are a couple of reasons. One, because we can become vulnerable to the sin of pride. Because when you're pointing out someone's error, you may not realize it, but it's easy to begin to feel a little bit more holy. You know, they're committing adultery and you're not. You feel more righteous. A little bit of pride can come in. What does Scripture say? Pride comes before a fall. Secondly, we should be careful when we confront someone because we may possibly become vulnerable to the sin itself. I I found this to be true in many cases. If you happen to notice, listen, if you happen to notice a particular sin in someone else, not every time, but many times, You notice that sin because that sin is your weakness. Let me uh, me try to explain it this way. Uh, Two and a half years ago or so, I I decided to buy a different lawnmower. And the one that I had had served me well for probably close to 15 years. But as we all do, I wanted a bigger mower and a a faster mower. And I I like to mow at 55 miles an hour. I don't want to poke around and... And I finally found one that I liked, and, and, and it was a used one. And actually, it was, it, it was, it was kind of a fairly old one. It was a 2005 uh, model, but it was in excellent condition. And as we all like to say, because it makes us feel better about buying something, I got a good deal. That's what we all say. We kind of justify it. I, I got a good deal. And it, it was a uh, 2005 or 2006 Kubota mower with a 60-inch deck. Um, and I'm on, this is part of my third summer using this mower, and, 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 and I still love it. And, but but I, I tell this story to illustrate this. Here's what, I've, what has happened since I bought this mower. I've become very good at noticing Kubota tractors. You know, they're easily visible because, what, what color are they? They're bright orange. I can spot a Kubota tractor miles away. 
My old mower was green. When I had that old mower, I just, I just noticed green tractors. But now with my new mower, my new old mower, my eyes seem to pick out every orange tractor. If it's in the same zip code, I am. I hardly notice green tractors anymore. And I think that illustrates how at times, and, and not always, but at times when we have struggled with a particular issue or a particular sin, we're more prone to notice that sin in someone else. I, I read this in my devotions just a couple of days ago. It was like so powerful in Romans chapter 2. It said, you may be saying what terrible people you've been talking about, but, but you're just as bad and you have no excuse. When, when you say they are wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself for you do these very same things. Ouch. And even if we've gotten victory over that sin, or, or maybe the sin wasn't necessarily a problem within, within us, but it was a close friend or family member, we tend to notice a particular sin in someone's life if it's made an impact in us or in, in, in those close to us. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that if you go confront someone for pornography, that you're into pornography, or if you confront someone for committing adultery, that you've got a problem with that. But what I'm saying is, you need to be very careful. Confront with caution and a lot of love. Because as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, if you think you're standing firm, don't get overconfident. Why? Because you might fall. Here's the third prayer, and this is the one that I struggle with the most. God, help me see when I'm the hypocrite. The painful truth is that, and this was painful to me this week, <laughs> all of us at one time or another, we have been hypocritical in some way. Some time ago, I went to Fulton, Missouri to attend the funeral of a longtime minister that was kind of referred to as Mr. Church of God Holiness. He was just a tremendous man of God. He was larger than life. And this man that passed away was straight as an arrow and well, as I neared Jeff City, all of a sudden a van went flying around me and, and I was doing close to the speed limit, maybe 20, 25 miles over, something like that, pretty close. Uh, not really. Um, I was probably within two, three, four miles of, of the posted speed limit. And it's it's kind of hilly there, so I don't know exactly where it was. But the, uh, th this van that went past me, was well above my speed, which would have made it well above the posted speed limit. And as it went by, I happened to notice a magnetic sign on the side of the van that identified it as a church van. And that kind of got my attention. And, and then I happened to notice that it was a, a church van from a sister church of God holiness a couple of hours from here. And I'm not going to tell you which church. Uh, and I happened to know the pastor that was driving the van. He was obviously headed to the same funeral. Now, l let me just kind of clarify this here at the very beginning. This pastor driving that van is a, very, is a very wonderful man of God. He's closer to God than I'll ever be. He's lived a godly life. He's a better preacher, a better pastor than I could be in five lifetimes. Very conscientious man. He's chosen some very strict and conservative dress standards for him and for those in leadership. And, and he wouldn't be afraid to call you out for violating those standards. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's not my point. 
But I got to thinking about this. This man that is so straight-laced in most areas of his life, and his conscience would never allow him to do some of the things that you and I are comfortable doing with. We don't feel like they're violating biblical principles at all, and, but, but he is so straight-laced that he wouldn't even come close to doing those things. And um, Yet, he had no problem breaking the speed laws, not just two, three, four miles over, but he was probably doing close to 15 miles above the speed limit. Now, my point is not the matter of speeding. Don't get lost there. But I'm... (laughs) Maybe you should, but... But I'm telling this story just to say that most all of us are lawbreakers in some area. And so this is what I want you to catch. This is what hurt me so much this week. It pained me. This means that there's probably a little bit of hypocrisy in every one of us. Whether it's breaking the speed limit, whether it's breaking hunting laws and shooting an extra deer or turkey and having your wife or someone else tag it, which, by the way, is against the law in the state of Missouri. Or maybe not even getting a tag because you know there's no way that they're going to catch you where you hunt. Or maybe telling a little white lie when your wife asks you if her outfit makes her look fat and, and you think, honey, it makes you look like a giant marshmallow, but you lie and say, no, it makes you look so slender. No, maybe you should just keep lying there probably. You know, we all have a bent towards hypocrisy. And the gospel truth is that most of the time we don't see it in ourselves. You know, it's easy for me to see your hypocrisy. I can look around and, you know, I can see Jared or Nelson and I I can see hypocrisy in them. They can look at me and see hypocrisy in me, but it's so hard to see it in ourselves. I mean, there's no better example of this in the Old Testament. If you've been around church at all, you've heard this story about King David. David, during a particular time of year, David, as the commander of the army, was supposed to be with his army fighting a battle, but David wasn't with his men fighting a battle. He was someplace else he wasn't supposed to be. And because of being someplace he wasn't supposed to be, he ended up seeing something he wasn't supposed to see. And when he saw something he wasn't supposed to see, he did something he wasn't supposed to do. And you know the account, he committed adultery. The adultery led to a cover-up involving murder. And King David thought he had gotten away from it, but or gotten away with it. But one day his pastor, and in those days they called him prophet, showed up on his doorstep and the prophet Nathan said, David, sit back and let me tell you a little story. And let me just read you that story from the Bible in 2 Samuel. It said there were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned many sheep and cattle and The poor man owned nothing but a little lamb he had worked hard to buy. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. And One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing a lamb from his own flocks for food, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and served it to his guest. Verse 5, David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. And and listen to verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, and 
and before I, I tell you what, the, the Hebrew, I love the Hebrew word here. The, the Hebrew word is atau haish. Atau haish, in other words, in English, that means you are that man. And that's why Jesus issued the stern warning and said, hey, be careful about going around and nitpicking, you know, looking at the little speck out of that's in other people's eyes when you've got a big log in your own eye. And so, yes, there is a place to lovingly confront and restore, but before we appoint ourselves as the Christian police that goes around trying to keep everyone in line, we need to ask God, God, where's the hypocrisy in me? You know, maybe you say, hey, I love God with all my heart, but yet you're looking at porn on a regular basis. Or maybe you're a woman who says, hey, I'm a woman of God, and yet everywhere you go, you disrespect your husband and criticize him and pick him apart. Or you come to church and pretend to worship God, but then go out and cuss like a sailor. You may say, oh, I'm a good Christian. I love my family, but rarely do you spend any time with them because you're working or playing or on social media. So it's easy for us to want to call out people because of their hypocrisy. But don't, don't forget that whenever we, we go and point the finger of accusation at someone else's always has been said, you've got how many fingers pointing back to you? So before we call out anyone else, let's ask God to point out the hypocrisy in our own lives and see where our heart might have drifted from him. Well, back to David and, and thank God that it documents what happened in David's heart because David had such a heart for God. And, and we read in Psalm 51 where he prayed a very humble but beautiful prayer. And he said this, wash me. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. You know, whenever you find yourself involved in hypocrisy, when I find myself involved in hypocrisy, and again, that includes all of us. We need to ask God to wash us clean from our guilt, purify us from our sin. And then skipping on down to verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a, renew a right spirit within me and restore to me again the joy of your salvation. Make me willing to obey you. And... So we need to ask God to, to purify us, cleanse us. But, but then David, a little bit further in his prayer, after asking God to clean him up and to purify him, in verse 13 it says, Then, then I will teach your ways to sinners and they will return to you. In other words, God, now, finally, because I'm not being a hypocrite, I will have the authority. And I'll have just the right relationship to where I can... Help others who are hypocrites. I will help them return to you. And then David ended this up by saying, verse 15, unseal my lips, O Lord, that I may praise you. You know, after we're cleansed and purified from hypocrisy, then the proper thing for us to do is to praise the Lord. And, and you know, I, I, I love as I've traveled around to, to Africa and South America where they're way more dis demonstrative than we are and and we're not to copy other cultures, but I, I wonder sometimes that our worship here in the States is so lifeless because would it be, could it be that we're carrying around a little bit of hypocrisy and hypocrisy sucks the praise right out of us? So today, could we just allow God to begin to search us? And again, it's not coming from the perspective of, well, y'all are the hypocrites or they're hypocrites over there. Hey, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer.
It's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. And I'm going to ask you to stand and, you know, I don't know what God is doing, wants to do this morning, but there may be some people that this doesn't mean that you're a hypocrite. It does mean that you're a hypocrite because we've all got a little bit in us. But maybe there's some people here that would like to just recommit themselves to God. We're not going to take long here, but maybe there's someone that would like to come forward and say, you know, I want to serve God with all of my heart and I've strayed away, but I want to come back to him. Maybe there's someone that would just like to come forward at this church. We don't force you. We don't pressure you. We don't embarrass you. You don't confess your sins to me, but we do want to give you an opportunity to come forward and kneel at the altar at the steps here and we'll have people gather around you and pray with you as you seek God is there anyone that you would like to just come and pray and be restored to God just in these couple of moments before we pray a prayer of dismissal anyone anyone else you want to come could someone come maybe help Margie right here could someone just come so she doesn't fall a couple ladies couple men could you come quickly um, uh, just maybe you could just have her sit on the front row there so she, thank you anyone else uh, anyone else want to just pray and seek God Father we want to just thank you for your presence we thank you for just the wake-up call that you gave me this week is God as I'm just trying to align my life with you and Lord I just pray that all of us here as we listen to your Holy Spirit that we would truly listen Lord I pray that you would find us faithful Lord, those areas that maybe we've allowed a little bit of hypocrisy to creep in, I pray that you would just cleanse us as, as David. Lord, we would consider that a huge sin of the adultery and murder. And But Lord, you restored him back. And then later on, you said, this is a man after my own heart. And so God, uh, I just pray that today we would seek you, that we would seek you in everything. Lord, forgive us. Lord, help us to be true blue. And as we go throughout our week, as, as the Spirit speaks to us, maybe we need to go and pay a bill. Maybe we need to quit saying a certain word. Maybe we need to quit reacting in certain ways. We need to quit looking at this. And Lord, whatever it is your Spirit leads us to do, I pray that we would be very quick to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for loving us so much that you don't just throw us on the heap, on the burn pile, but God, you love us so much to where you restore us back to being a child of God. So Lord, just search us right now. Just search us. Change us. Forgive us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I know this is a very sensitive topic. If, and if there's someone that maybe wants to talk and you want to talk to a staff member, we'd be glad to talk to you after church or this week if you would rather do it, do it during office hours, whatever.
Remember, we take confidentiality very, very seriously, and we'd love to talk to you if we can help you in your walk with God. Thank you. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.